Hello, this is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, and we are speaking to you today from Fleming and Curdy PLC, a law firm in Tucson, Arizona, and this is Elder Law Issues. I'm joined by my partner, Robert Fleming, and we're going to talk to you today about a topic that's, I would say, a sensitive topic to many people, the topic of physician-assisted suicide. Robert, in our estate planning practice at Fleming and Curdy, we serve all sorts of different people with all sorts of different goals and questions. And every so often, we have people who come in and want to have a discussion around suicide and specifically how they might incorporate directions in their healthcare powers of attorney. Can you talk to us a little bit today about what you're seeing? Sure. And, and I think we need to start by saying the word suicide is obviously a loaded term. Um, we don't mean to uh, to condone suicide in general. We don't mean to glorify it when we talk about this. And in fact, the the physician-assisted suicide movement, which really got got underway in the late 20th century, in the 1990s or thereabout, um, pretty rapidly figured out they needed to change their name to be clearer about what they're talking about. So now it's usually called death with dignity, or sometimes physician-aided dying. Um, not suicide precisely, although that is a component of it. The issue is uh, when somebody has made the decision that might be a completely rational decision that the, the pain and the likelihood of recovery from their illness and all of the burdens that they are enduring are just unendurable, uh, can they make some take some steps in order to end their lives affirmatively? It is such a delicate, touchy question because there are a lot of people with disabilities who say, don't even talk about this. As soon as you do, you are suggesting that there's a quality of life and that some of us should be urged to shuffle off this mortal coil. And that's not what anybody wants to see happen. And it's a real anxiety point. So uh, so it's a very difficult line to walk between giving somebody who has really made the conscious and rational and completely personal decision about the end of life and trying to set some societal standards that protect those who might be coerced, badgered, led into that, and, uh, and also to protect the, 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 the legitimacy of the medical profession itself. And Robert, one thing that I think is important for our listeners to note is we are an elder law firm in Tucson, Arizona. So what we know is Arizona law. And what I know when it comes to the laws that surround the idea of death with dignity, that they're different in every state. In fact, they're different from country to country. So it's really hard to paint a broad picture or give people I guess, a concrete input with respect to how the laws may evolve in these different states. But it is important that people understand that uh, the states are different and the laws do change. That's absolutely correct, Elizabeth. The, the law is very different. In Arizona, your physician is prohibited from assisting you to make that end-of-life decision. We do not have a physician-assisted suicide law. And, and that means that people who are on the threshold of this decision have, have the awkward problem of trying to figure out how to navigate the process on their own because their doctor cannot help them. Across the border in California, there is a physician-assisted suicide law, and, uh, and it's permissible to, to ask your doctor to 
aid you in the dying process. And that's true up the West Coast. Washington and Oregon also have similar laws. Um, Oregon was the first and has been around for quite a long while, for about 20 years now. And most of the other states didn't follow suit, but there's been a recent trend toward additional laws. A law has been introduced in Arizona almost every year since I can remember, but has never gotten really any, any discussion in the Arizona legislature and certainly hasn't passed. So for the moment, we're really not talking about what you can do in Arizona because that's pretty straightforward. There's not much you can do. And so, Robert, I, I usually will have this topic come up with people who want to know what happens if there's a point in their lives where they're unable to make medical decisions, need the help of their agent under their health care power of attorney, and may have had extensive conversation earlier in life with their agent about physician-assisted suicide or death with dignity and want their agent to be able to help coordinate their care at end of life. I see that conversation come up pretty routinely when I talk to people who've got questions about this with respect to their health care powers of attorney. I think that it's important when we, when we discuss these issues to make sure that people understand their comfort and what their understanding is about death with dignity um, may in fact not be shared necessarily by the people that they've put into fiduciary positions to help make medical decisions down the road for them. So I try and make sure that they understand this is um, your healthcare power of attorney is a fantastically powerful and useful document, but you can't just start putting the kitchen sink in there, particularly with things like this, and expect that your agent um, won't have some trouble figuring out how to carry out his or her duties. And, and even if your agent is on the same page and willing to help, it's probably a criminal offense for them to do something to aid in your dying. This is a, a question that comes up for me all the time. Clients say, well, I would like you to put something in my health care power of attorney that says if Arizona ever does adopt a physician aid in dying statute, that my agent can implement it. But that's a fundamental misunderstanding of the laws that exist in the other states. And any law that passed in Arizona at some future date probably will resemble those laws. None of them let your agent put you to death. Now, you, you have to be able to, you have to be competent and able to communicate your wishes yourself in all of the states where there is any opportunity for physician aid in dying. And now, Robert, one thing that I think is important when we think about this is that your agent can help you move. Your agent can help you relocate to another state. Your healthcare agent may be able to help you gain admission to um, a placement that would allow this or approve or provide some kind of medical support. So there are steps that your healthcare agent can help you with, with respect to getting to another state or the process to help move and discuss these options with the healthcare provider. So I, I do see people actually have real concrete conversations about, well, if their agent can't do this, can they do that? And I think when we consider end-of-life issues, certainly using your agent's help to um, make sure that you are in a state and comfortable wherever you are living, um, that is something within the agent's realm. 
It is. And, and Elizabeth, the law has developed pretty recently in those states that have physician aid in dying to allow um, tourists to come to, to their state for the end of life issue. Uh, sort of a macabre way to look at it. But, but uh, most of the states for years had limitations that only made the physician aid in dying available to people who had lived in the state for a year, for instance. Well, if you if you decide that it's time for you to look at this seriously and you move to one of those states and you have to wait a year, that's a pretty long time for someone. Well, the recent trend is to eliminate or sharply reduce those residency requirements. But all of the states still require you to be competent, to be evaluated by a psychologist or a psychiatrist, to have uh, multiple contacts with the physician before before you're to be prescribed the medication that could end your life. And they all require you to have the physical ability to implement the, the action yourself. So you can't have your agent grind up the pills and put them in your orange juice. That exposes them to liability. You have to have the physical ability to actually swallow the pills yourself. Well, Robert, uh, this is a tender topic, probably one that many of our listeners um, have have learned about through whether it's news or articles or friends or, or loved ones that, that does come up when we talk about care planning, end-of-life planning, estate planning. And I hope today that our listeners um, share any questions they have with us about this. Um, we are always interested in the topics that you all would like to hear us talk about or present on. And every once in a while, we, we go ahead and operate outside the box a bit and may talk about something that's a little out of the ordinary. And I think that's our conversation today. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, a partner at Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law practice. And it's been nice to have my partner, Robert Fleming, joining me today. Have a wonderful day.